The Car Guys Report Informed Automotive is up next, but first, take a listen to this other fine OPI show. This week on Minutia Men's Celebrity Interview, we talk with the San Diego chicken, Ted Giannoulis. I run all the way up to the stage, and there is Elvis singing. I'm dancing right under him, and Elvis catches this, and he says, I don't know if you all can see, but you got to believe me. There's a chicken <laughs> dancing up here, and then he says, I want to warn this chicken something. Uh, I don't know who put him up to this, but my manager's name is the Colonel. <laughs> the Minutia Man Celebrity Interview. Minutia Man Celebrity Interview, an OPI show only on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Great Talk Radio isn't dead, it just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com. The following is a Tony Lozano podcast, an OPI show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is the Car Guys Report, informed automotive. I'm Mark Vernon, along with Lou Costable. Thanks so much for taking us along for the ride. Certainly glad to have you with us here on the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. Uh, Here we are, Lou. Uh, Kind of the cold weather has uh, definitely made itself known as we're kind of huddling in our garages these days and uh, not seeing that many cars out on the road worth talking about, but I have uh, continued to see a few late-season gems, as I keep calling them, coming back from a a late-season Cars and coffee a couple of weeks ago i saw two cars they both happened to be the uh, color red one was a carmen Ghia, probably late 60s Ghia, and i always have a kind of a soft spot in my heart for those because as a kid uh, my dad had a, a carmen Ghia that he bought used i know i've talked about this on the program before and i'm not exactly sure what year it was it was an earlier one it was maybe a 62 or a 63 in a very light uh baby blue color with a real light uh, gray interior, almost white, but just a little bit of uh, gray in it. And the thing that I remember the most about that car, other than riding around in it as a kid, was the, uh, and it, it came like this because he bought it used and he didn't change it out. It had a chrome megaphone exhaust on the back, which was pretty cool because it was actually, you could see it hanging down on the bottom. It had a nice big megaphone exhaust tip on it, and it uh, gave that little uh, engine, which probably had about maybe 50 horsepower, just a little bit more of a bark, but a great-looking car. So anytime I see a, a Carmen Ghia on the road, I always... Uh, look fondly upon it and another cool car that i saw actually that same day i saw one of these cars going up to the event and one coming back uh kind of a car that you don't see too often it was a a 64 red comet convertible and uh you know the mercury comets are pretty rare cars and they've actually uh have they have a following too you don't see too many of them at car shows for whatever reason i was at a a show a few years ago we were parked with my my uh, Firebird, and the guy was coming in in his uh, pony in his uh, Comet uh, wagon, and he made a crack like, "Hey, be careful! You're going to get hit by a comet, right? <laughs> or something. Your incoming comet." So it was pretty funny, but yeah. um, they're neat cars. Cyclone or a comet? It was a comet. Okay. Yeah, which was, I believe, the uh, same as the Ford Fairlane uh, uh, Falcon. The Mercury. Yeah, Falcon, yeah, yeah, right. yeah. The, the the Ford Falcon, the same as and then the Mercury Comet. I think was yeah, the was the Mercury its, was Falcon. His brother or sister? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's the way it is. And you recently, uh, you have uh, we we're just talking before we started recording that uh, you went to the uh, Muscle Car Nationals, uh, Muscle Car and Corvette Nationals in Rosemont, Illinois, the greatest muscle car show on the planet. By the way. A little tidbit is that Ford Falcon is going to be one of the My Car Story cars when we do the game at the end of okay, the show good, here. Okay, good, good, so, good to know. So good, so so nice tie-in with the Fairlane. But highlights uh, of the uh, the Muscle Car Nationals. Wow. Well, um, it's their eleventh show. Uh, just giving you a brief update for people who've never been there. Uh, the, how they change it every year is based on the year. So, for example, this is 2019, so they did 1969, and then they did five years above and five years behind. For just... Uh, so 69 muscle cars, like the, the 69 Chargers. The only ones allowed into the show, then, you're saying? No. Or, or how does... No. I mean, what is what is the idea of the 1969 and then plus or minus five? Yeah, they'll have uh, what they call invitationals. So you'll have... Um, for example, uh, one of the invitationals was they called it the Wing Warriors, and you had a whole bunch of Daytonas and Superbirds uh, there. Um, matter of fact, uh, one of the cars they had there is is one of the very rare to be still surviving 
uh, NASCARs, the 69 Dodge Daytona, they call it the K&K insurance car. And the reason why that car is important, it was the Grand National Champion that year. Cool. And that was kept. And then they had uh, Richard Petty's uh, uh, blue uh, car as well, the number 43. So uh, just some amazing uh, cars. Uh, Mercury Cyclone Spoiler 2. I videoed a uh, 69 Boss Mustang prototype, which was uh, Larry Shinoda's car. Uh, there was a 69 Yanko Deuce that was there. Um, a 69 Fairlane Cobra in uh, black jade, which is a great, cool, great, it's like a really dark uh, metallic really green. Dark, yeah. yeah, those are awesome. That's an awesome color. 69 Chevy Camaro uh, ZL1, which is an all aluminum block 427. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was number 12 wow. of 69. Yeah, I know. Big bucks on those cars. Yeah, so uh, th- that's just a snapshot. So come to the channel, My Car Story with Lou, and You'll see the 21 I videoed of the probably 550 cars there. So what I mean, were uh, what were the standouts for you uh, of of just the whole show? Just one or two standouts of the entire show, yeah. and then of the cars that you videoed. I mean, I know that you're you're very particular with the cars that you yeah. you shoot. So of course they're all going to be standouts, but there's got to be one or two that you really dug more a little bit more than okay. the others. Yeah, good question. All right, so. Um, there's what I call surprise cars, and surprise cars are where you you're not really sure what's going to be there. It's like opening a Christmas present, and you're like, oh, like that. So the surprise car was probably the 1964 Chrysler Turbine. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's only nine of those. Only I believe one of them, which is Jay Leno's, that runs. The rest of them were well. You can watch the channel and find out about that. That one. car always reminded me of a Thunderbird. It, it looks very much it looks like a, a T-Bird. lot like a Thunderbird. Yeah. The back end of it is much cooler yeah. than a Thunderbird because it has more of a Batman-like '66 uh, Batmobile back to it. But the uh, that, what, that was one of the standouts. Go what ahead. color was it? That that was a copper. Yeah, that, that that's the color I've seen them in. Yeah, in pictures. So. Yes, that was. Uh, uh, and maybe actually, I'm just trying to see where they. Where I have it here, maybe they call it bronze. Yeah, but it is that. That's the exact color that I was yeah. suspecting. That you were, I, I don't know if they were all painted that color or not, but that's the the color that I remember seeing them in. Was this one a running one then, or was it just? No, they're they're all not running. They they actually when they distributed them to um, um, when they distributed them to museums, except for Jay Leno's, they actually dis decommissioned them. Decommissioned them. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The correct word. <laughs> then the other surprise was the uh, the 69 Dodge Daytona NASCAR number 71 K&K insurance. And that wasn't just cool because it was the car, but uh, I it was neat watching that drive in oh, to yeah. the show. You know, that... Uh, it makes a presence. Let's put it that way. That's what I always enjoy about. To me, uh, half the fun of going to a car show is either hearing and seeing the cars arrive or depart because you actually get to see them in motion. You get to hear them. Yeah. And that's just that that makes that yeah. completes everything. You fire so up a, a 69 Dodge Daytona NASCAR that's got the, you know, 426. Or yeah. This one's probably bored out a little bit more. And it's just uh, it's wonderful. It's sure. absolutely memorable. And that was uh, Tim Wellborn's car from the Wellborn Museum. And okay. it explains how he got this Survivor NASCAR. Cool. So, yeah, so those were, were the two. Okay, great. Sounds good. And then, uh, obviously, you don't. I wouldn't think you have all 21 on your on your site yet. No, but no. By no. the time this, this program will air, there probably will be um, more than a, oh, yeah. the, than, than a few of the 21 it, and up. If, and if people were wondering, why do you do that? It's a little bit like eating <laughs> gallons of ice cream. You know, you, you don't want to stop. Eat, yeah, you don't want to eat twenty-one <laughs> gallons of ice cream all at one time. No, you so have yeah. to do it. Yeah, you, you it, dribble it out and you keep them coming back. You're right, like the right, yeah. you're like the drug pusher. You're just keeping them. You get, giving them their fix. I'm, I'm the car person <laughs> the, like that. I'm the car sure pusher. I'm, I'm not sure if I'm the. Yeah, that's the right analogy. But yeah, you're I, the pusher I, man. I'm the pusher man. Yeah, of the car. Sure. Which Steppenwolf did that. I believe it was Steppenwolf <laughs> had the song "The Pusher Man." So yeah, there you go. Cool. Well, good. Uh, that muscle car, and that's a one. Once a year show? Once a year. It's the weekend right before Thanksgiving. And um, the the reason why I said I have to think about the cars is because um, a lot of times when you and I go to a car show or we go separately to car shows, it's a little bit like, uh, you know, no, 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 yes. It's a little bit like playing Duck, Duck, Goose. Yeah. So I can say no to a bunch of cars. And there would be reasons why for one reason or another. But uh, when I see a yes... 
that's pretty exciting. Well, at this car show, the Muscle Car and Corvette National, they've been pretty much hand-selected, so it's like going to the Miss World competition and now trying to pick a winner. Well, well, they're all winners, <laughs> so uh, really, really you know, unique show, and uh, I just encourage people to go, and they had, I think they had like record-breaking attendance, you know, attendance yeah, this cool. year, so Great. every year it gets a little bit better. Good, good. Lou uh, did a lot of, uh, videoed a lot of cars at the Mus- uh, Corvette and Muscle Car Nationals, and uh, he has a lot of those uh, uh, videos coming up on his uh, channel. It's uh, his YouTube channel, My Car Story with Lou on YouTube. So check it out, and we'll have actually be uh, playing our, our My Car Story with Lou game, guessing game, a little bit later on in the program. Let, let's let's just give the, the website for it, just so that people, if they want to look at it, and it's called McCacken, which is National or M-C-A-C-N, I guess, Corvette okay. National. So com. And you could always just Google it, too, and that, you that'll take Google you there. You can Google it, sure. Or come to one of the videos and, <laughs> and go into the text. Exactly. Be sure to tell a friend about the Car Guys Report. It's available online at radiomisfits.com. You can follow us at Car Guys Podcast on Twitter. And, of course, you can email us at any time with any questions or comments or suggestions that you may have. Our email address, carguysreport at hotmail.com. I'm Mark Vernon, along with Lou Costable. You are listening to the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. And, you know, Lou, there was kind of a a big double shocker, no pun intended, in the car world (laughs) recently. And they they came on the heels of one another. In one of our previous programs, we touched about on the new Mustang Mach-E SUV. And uh, we said we're going to be discussing that. And then about uh, three days later, Elon Musk uh, threw the world a curveball with his Tesla Cybertruck. And you're like, uh, what the hell is he thinking with that? But let's first of all talk about the uh, Mustang Mach-E. And when we were originally talking about that, you were, you were thinking it was just going to be a, an actual Mustang electric car, which they're already talking about for the future. But what they've done is kind of a brand extension here. As Ford's first mass market full electric vehicle, they're going to... Uh, debut it as a uh, small uh, fully electric crossover which they're calling the Mustang Mach-E and they're doing that I think because they're using the cachet and the uh, tradition and the just the heft of the, of the Mustang name thinking that it might uh, help sales of course there's people saying why are you doing that it's just diluting the brand I mean it's not a performance vehicle per se it's an SUV for crying out loud it does have a lot of Mustang uh influences in its design it's got the uh, three bar rear tail lights it's got kind of a mustang-esque hood on it of course we're about a year out from actual deliveries on this vehicle i mean the the stats they're talking about sound pretty good it says power ratings are going to ra- range uh, vary from 255 horsepower and 306 pound feet of torque in the standard range rear drive model up to 459 horsepower and 612 pound-feet of torque for the all-wheel drive GT, and Ford estimates that the slowest Mach-E will go 0 to 60 in the mid-second range, and the GT, mid-six-second range. Okay, I was like, and, why? Yeah, and the <laughs> GT should be able to do it in the mid-threes, which is pretty good. If they ever get down to a second, we'll, we'll have to figure out how they're doing that. Um, like, but man, right, that would be... I went from not yeah. being interested to <laughs> really being exactly. interested. And uh, they're saying uh, range could be 230 uh, miles per charge with rear drive and 210 with all-wheel drive. That you know remains to be seen once they actually get closer to production. And the thing they're talking about, they're talking about a base price of around uh, or a, an actual price before any um, – tax incentives that Ford is going to be able to do because I think it, it caps at once uh, the automakers deliver something like 200,000 or 250,000 electric vehicles, the tax incentive starts going down and Tesla has already hit that mark. And I believe GM has as well. But since Ford hasn't had any mass market EVs yet, uh, people will be able to take advantage at least initially of that full, I think it's a $7,500 federal tax credit, but they're talking about pricing in the, in like the low to mid, 40s, which isn't bad. I just uh, find it hard to believe that they're actually going to be able to deliver this vehicle for that price. Again, we're you know about a year out from from actual deliveries. It's a pretty good looking vehicle. Um, I have a couple of reservations, but I wanted to get your thoughts on on this Mustang Mach E crossover fully electric SUV. 
I know you're kind of a Ford guy, so what are your thoughts? Do you think it's going to be a success? Do you think they're actually going to be able to deliver it uh, as they're showing it now for the price? And yeah, Well, you're looking at the look on my face already. <laughs> so uh, anytime we're talking SUV, um, I'm not as enamored as car. Of course. Now, I drive an SUV, so I'm not downing SUVs, and there's definitely a purpose for them. I get it. If you have a family, I think it's, you know, the best thing you can do or a minivan or whatever. But on the car guy's report, you know, we're talking design, styling, excitement. And it the, the first one that kind of hit me and has, had, and has had great success. So I'm probably not the right guy to interview on this question because I think of like the Porsches. Like you've got your Porsche, yeah, Porsche SUV. Yeah. yeah. So it, it has cues of a Porsche. But when I see your 911 that you've got, that to me is a Porsche. Sure. So, so when you're talking a Mustang, which makes me giddy up. This does not make me giddy up. <laughs> yeah, so. Well, see, but you're just saying that you're not going to fall into the trap of, hey, it's a Mustang. It's cool. I'm going to buy it. It's just they're just slapping the name on there. Now, now let me talk about an SUV I am excited about from Ford. Do you know what that one is? Um, well, I, there's the new Explorer, which no, actually has been getting panned. Not, yeah, well, um, the, yeah, the ST or whatever. Yeah, I, the, I'm not sure what it would be. I'm looking forward to the Bronco. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. I, I'm yeah, excited yeah. about the Bronco. Yeah, Broncos are cool. Now, yeah. so... So I'm not against SUVs, but I'm against SUVs that um, are supposed to make you feel one way. The Bronco makes me feel like it's an SUV and I'm excited about yeah. it. The Mustang SUV, I'm excited about the new Mustang Shelby GT500. Sure. That's what I'm excited about. Yeah. I'm not excited about the Mustang you know, it's not going to make any sound. I think they're smart, vehicle. though. But they're, they're I, I smart. Think, and I'm sure I'll be completely wrong and it'll sell the crap. Uh, it'll, it'll sell well, I think, as long as they can deliver it as they're stating it's going to be now with, you know, a reasonable range and things like that. I think they're going to have to have a little bit higher range because they're pretty much saying 200 and low 200s these days is pretty much like the bottom end of where they have to be. And once they hit, I think, like 300, they're saying that's pretty much enough to to alleviate the range anxiety that people have um so, so wait, wait wait what did you think about it well i'm gonna that's what i'm saying right, right now i think i think they're smart in um introducing their first electric vehicle as a crossover suv because that market is red hot right now and it's going to be red hot for a long time so they're smart uh targeting probably what is the the hottest segment of the market where they're going to have a chance of selling the most versus the the Chevrolet Bolt with a B. Uh, that's a four-door kind of or a hatchback, a five-door hatchback type sedan, micro or smaller sedan that, that uh, Chevy brought out. And that doesn't appeal to as many people as a, as a crossover. Um, even though they're similar in, in, in size and shape and stuff, people just like the idea of, hey, I'm driving a crossover. Um, my only other hesitation would be that, you know, I, I certainly wouldn't fall into the trap of, hey, it's a Mustang. Cool. I'm going to buy it. But there's going to be a lot of people out there that will. Um, I just have a, a, a issues with some of Ford's uh, quality lately because uh, I've been reading uh, reviews on the, the new Explorer, which is now rear-wheel drive, some of the new Lincoln SUVs, the Corsair and stuff. People are laying out in the in the uh, uh, terms of the uh, Lincolns. They're laying out uh, 50, 60, 70 grand for these things, and they're coming in with all kinds of crazy, just inexcusable uh, quality problems. I was just reading uh, a car magazine before we came here today uh, that the test vehicle, it was an Explorer test vehicle that one of the um, magazines had, and they had exposed, you could actually see like wires and, and plugs and stuff from that are supposed to be concealed behind the dash. You could actually see those looking, you know, through the cracks and stuff. And I'm like, that's just not, that's not acceptable in, in today's uh modern manufacturing for yeah. mass market automobiles yeah. and and i'm not a big ford fan i've never actually owned a ford i am pretty much uh you know obviously as i've said a million times before a european guy and then if it comes to american stuff it i just seem to pretty much fall into the gm category i've never yeah. had a chrysler and i've never had a ford and i'm just not totally sold on fords as a car i mean eventually i might own a mustang somewhere down the real mustang somewhere down the line i have no idea <laughs> but i love that you said a I, real I, mustang 
Mustang. I agree yeah. with you. A real Mustang. But I mean, you haven't had any any, any quality issues with the uh, with the Lincoln that you bought, the MK. Uh, C. I well, I'm I'm I do still believe that Ford is quality one. I still think that that's at least in the mindset. Yeah. I'm not sure why they just took their one of their most popular SUV, the Explorer, and decided to go rear wheel drive. Yeah, go back to rear wheel. Yeah, that, that was, was weird. That, in my opinion, was not the right move. Yeah. So, and the reason why I say that is twofold. Number one. If you really need something, you're in the you know you're in a, a cold climate, and you really need four wheel drive, then you should get the four wheel drive. However, for those people who still want to buy a Ford, and one of the things about Ford is it feels like you can afford one. Yeah, uh, and that thing is you, really pricey if you get into the yeah. upper. It's it's over fifty thousand yeah, dollars. I was I was waiting for you to jump in on that queue on yeah. uh, Ford one. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> so if you can afford one, um, but once you put the you know for the family that is. Um, you know, the, the mom who wants to wheel around town, definitely, especially in a colder Midwest climate or a northern climate, that front-wheel drive can help you out. Oh, yeah, definitely. So definitely. That, and, and if you've ever driven, now I will say something about the Mustang for a second. When I owned my Mustang, it was convincing me as the first snow landed <laughs> to buy something else. Of course. Because I was literally driving sideways oh, yeah. on the highway doing 35 yeah. miles an hour. Yeah. So... Um, it scared me into a proper uh, winter vehicle. So, um, big fan of the must, big, big, big fan of the Mustang and um, I'm real not, Mustang. I'm not, yeah, not the, the March. Well, okay, let, let's well, have talk some about conf- talk let's, about. Talk, let's have some confession, right? So, if about, I'm sitting behind a new SUV, yeah. Mustang, and it's going to turn, <laughs> am I going to look at the turn signal? You yes, sure, you are absolutely because yeah. it's the coolest turn signal on the, on the planet, but. Okay. Should we go? Should How we about go? the Cybertruck? <laughs> oh. um, I mean, all I have to say is WTF. Yeah. I mean, uh, it, it's interesting what's happened in the in the in the week or two that since this thing has been released. And again, once this when this program that we're recording now airs, it'll be you know uh, somewhat in the future. So we'll see if the uh, hubbub have, has died down or increased at all. But uh, I did read a quote recently that said that Elon Musk does no market research, and I think you're looking at it right there because sure, it's cool because it's an electric vehicle. It's got shades of the DeLorean because it's got this high-strength stainless steel body. Um, it, the specs are, are pretty amazing. The price, if, if they can really deliver it at, at a base price of 40000 is great. But the style, I mean, what the hell are they, what is he thinking of? It looks like literally something I would draw because I can't, I'm not an artist. I'm all about angles and stuff. So I'm like, okay, let's make this thing like a triangle kind of. And it just looks, I can't see a lot of mainstream pickup truck buyers buying this thing. Well, That's just it. Well, here's who's going to buy it. Tell me, because right. I want to know. It's going to be everybody who is between, this is my opinion, it's going to be everybody between the ages of 16 and 22, because they're going to have that first driver's license, and if they can get that truck, they actually think that thing is really cool. They're all going to look the same, though, unless you get it wrapped in right. vinyl, because they were saying they're how, all going to be stainless however, steel. to your point, you know, one of the people who bought them was the, uh, uh, you know, some police department. So yeah. they put, you know, police wrapping on it. Is it is it a is it a perfect specimen for a wrap? Absolutely. Oh sure. Are you going to be nervous about wrapping it? No, because you're going to want to individualize it. Yeah. So so as much as I as uh, the first thing I thought of, believe it or not, was RoboCop. <laughs> exactly. When I saw yeah. That thing. Yeah. It looks like something and then from the Mad fact Max. That they're throwing throwing uh, you know rocks or ball bearings off the windows and stuff. I'm like, okay, you know that was that was good marketing. We've seen that in, a, in except, the Endura bumper back except, in '69. Except when the uh, glass broke. <laughs> well, do you remember when they used to take a sledgehammer to the front end of a GTO? Yeah. The front end of a Pontiac, yeah. a Le Mans, or Tempest back in what was it '68, '69? Yeah. They're like, this thing is an Enduro bumper, yeah. and I was like, no, 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 don't. And it's like, like, okay. And then they did the same thing with the Saturn. Yeah. You know, where they had some commercials with the kids riding their tricycles into it. Riding their tricycles. And the dad doesn't get mad because nothing happens to them. And and they used to drive the shopping carts right into the side of them. So to to that point, now I know you're thinking, you just got done saying Elon Musk doesn't do any marketing. That's what he think research. The, yeah. That's what he said. Okay, marketing he research. claims. Well, think about the re, the marketing that you and I are talking about. I mean, it's already left an indelible. Oh, sure, it has because it's Tesla and it's because it's a, just a crazy looking vehicle. Yeah. For for those people that might not exactly know what we're talking about, um, Elon Musk during the unveil 
uh, hit the side of the door with uh, a sledgehammer to show that the, uh, the high-strength stainless steel uh, ectoskeleton, as it were, uh, basically was undamaged. And now that he claims that when he did that, the damage the window frame and that's why the glass broke because it's supposed to have armored glass and when they were shooting uh had had one of his assistants throw some ball bearings or whatever it was at the glass and the glass shattered and it was totally unexpected and elon even said you know what the is going on here uh and then they said well i we think that the the window frame a few days later they said was damaged and that caused it to break whatever um but it's just like you know the it's almost unbelievable the the specs on this thing towing capacity will range from 7,500 to 14,000 pounds all and this is very impressive here all three versions this is going to have a a, a, a a rear drive an all-wheel drive and then like a, a version that's got four motors in it and that would actually have the highest towing capacity but they said that all three versions will carry a payload of 3,500 pounds which is pretty good I mean that's a good payload for a pickup truck and it's impressive that all three of them have that right out of the box um you know, the windshield is just absolutely massive. It's got this crazy kind of hidden light bar up front. Um, one design element of the Cybertruck that kind of struck me is the, uh, I guess you would call it like the rear sail panel because it's a four-door pickup truck, and it's got this kind of sail panel that goes all the way to the corner of the bed. And I happened to see one of the original Honda Ridgelines on the road a couple days after this thing was announced. And if you remember the Ridgeline, sure. it's got kind of that sail panel look yeah. to it. There's a little bit of similarity call me crazy but there's similarity between the original honda ridgeline and the cybertruck in, in its design and supposedly elon musk was working on this thing for 10 years and you know now that we've seen it will it actually be you know available when they're saying it will be available in like a year and a half will it come out at thirty nine thousand nine hundred dollars like they're saying that the top of the uh uh, range is close to 70,000. Will it have a 250 mile range in the base? Who knows? I mean, it's just uh, anyone's guess at this point. Um, single motor, yeah. I want to just make sure I'm, I'm telling everyone the right information here. The single motor version will have a battery range of 250 plus miles for 39.9. Dual v- motor version with a battery range of 300. And that starts at 49.9, and then a tri-motor version with a range of 500-plus miles slated to start at 69.9. And I actually went to their website, and you can actually, I think they're actually taking these uh, kind of like, uh, not exactly, I think it is considered a deposit, but it's, it's, it's not exactly an advance order, but it's kind of like a reservation or whatever you want to call it. But it's going to be very interesting to see how... Um, everything pans out with with the Cybertruck because I'm not convinced. I mean, I know, uh, you know, the Model 3 is the world's best-selling electric vehicle. And, you know, he's done a fantastic job in the styling of the uh, Model S and the Model 3, but this thing is just so off the charts. I mean, a huge amount of pickup trucks purchased in the U.S. are purchased by farmers and ranchers and people that live in the rural areas, which tend to be more of a conservative group. And I just can't see them buying into the design of this thing i mean it just seems so out there but like you said maybe it'll be the younger generation it's it's their truck right i mean you know to your point everybody who's uh older who's bought an f-150 for years on end you know they keep them for a few years and just upgrade that's why it's always the 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 u.s's best-selling vehicle right so they have they have that vision in their mind just like i got done telling you i know you've got a porsche suv but in my mind when i think porsche i think you're 911 and um you know i just uh uh i i think it'll sell um oh it'll sell for sure but i just don't know again i have reservations with this with the um actual when actual deliveries are going to start and will it actually have all the features that they're showing now? And will it have the pricing that it that it has now? Because I you got to admit for thirty nine nine, that's a pretty impressive vehicle with that stainless steel body and the thirty five hundred yeah. pound payload capacity and seventy five hundred pounds minimum uh, towing capacity. And those are good specs. Yeah. So it's going to be very very interesting to see what happens. And I don't know if that that is foreshadowing future odd-looking vehicles now from Tesla because it's just such a departure from everything else. Who knows? But I guess we'll just have to wait and see what happens with that. But yeah, definitely the Mustang Mach-E and the uh, Tesla Cybertruck shocked the electric vehicle world. And uh, we'll see how both of those, yeah, 
Yeah, thanks, Lou. <laughs> See how both of those uh, turn out. It's the time in the show where we talk about a car that has either uh, recently been bought or sold online, uh, either through uh, Bring a Trailer, which is one of our favorite auction sites, or uh, Hemmings.com uh, has always a great... Um, amount of cars for sale and, a, and an outstanding array of, of marks out there too. I would always suggest that if you're starting a search for a unique vehicle, you should start at Hemmings because chances are they may have one for sale and it's always a good idea just to get um, you know the, a fix on price what people are asking for a certain car and things like that. It's a great resource. It really is. And so is Bring a Trailer. It's a great website and this one, Lou, came up uh, a little while ago. It sold. I would say this is a fairly well sold well bought uh, i think it's better a little bit better for the seller than the buyer because it's a little maybe it's a tad bit expensive but we're talking about a 1991 bmw 850i and that's the uh, v12 car that they made but this has the six-speed manual one of 528 u.s examples with the six-speed manual fifty-two thousand mile car and uh, it sold for uh thirty-four thousand dollars so uh, it's a pretty good price i mean you can get these cars way cheaper than that but they have a lot more miles on them they're a lot they're a lot of them are just beat into the ground this car looks pretty good and if it's one of 528 and you want that six-speed manual uh, that's pretty much what you have to do these days. You have to just pay up to get that manual transmission. And I believe you, didn't you just do a, a video on one of those um, somewhat recently? Yeah, I, I did one uh, in 2019. And um, I want to just talk about that BMW for just a moment. Not only is it the amount of cylinders, which makes it unique, um, but the face on it. It's a great, yeah, the hideaway headlights, a nice narrow it, front fascia. It's a yeah, great looking car. There are certain cars that when you think of the brand, you think certain things in your head, like if you close your eyes and say, okay, BMW should look like this. And the great thing about this one is this looks like a prototype BMW, something that someone came up with that you'd see spinning on a, on a plate on a at, platform, some, at, yeah. at some auto show. Like, for example, when I think of the Porsche 918, it has cues of a, of a 911, but it's nowhere near a 911. And I think that's where this... Uh, BMW 850i fits into the category along with, um, you know, like the BMW, uh, and, and I'm looking at the picture of it, but yeah, it's black. So it um, it's very much looks like the one that I, that I videoed. It's just really, really cool. I mean, and when you see it, it makes you stop, pause, look at it and say, I know what that is. I think I know what that is. Oh, it's a BMW. It's, it's one of those cars that you just don't go BMW. Yeah. You, you have to kind of take a little bit more moment, and then it really lures you in. And they are starting to get some traction in the um, in the used car market now. For many years, they kind of just languished because I think people were scared of the, you know, the maintenance costs and the upkeep. Mm-hmm. And they're getting old. I mean, 91, I mean, that's almost 30 years old already, uh, and it has a ton of electronic stuff on it. And that's, that's one of the things, too, that'll be real interesting to see what happens in another 20 years uh, with all these cars that have all the computers and things in them. How long are those going to last? How, how good are, are those, all, all the electronic things going to uh, hold up over time? And I think that's one thing that kind of scares people off of a car like that because it's obviously going to be an expensive car to keep uh, on the road if you're driving it because of the V12 and the maintenance aspects. It's a German car, so they're always very particular about maintenance uh, procedures and things like that. But I think it is a car, though, that people have started to realize that these are cool. They didn't make that many of them, and they're out there. And you can get them, you can, like I said earlier, you can get some, some of them at pretty good prices, but you know, some of them have like 140,000 miles on them too. And yet you, you said it earlier, it's a German car. And as long as the maintenance has been taken care of, this should be great. Yeah. V12. Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me if you got a half a million miles out of it. Yeah. Yeah. So, and even, even if it's a 91, but, uh. Uh, the other one I was thinking about was the Z8. Oh, yeah, that's a great see, car. When you see a BMW Z8, you... It's a beautiful car. I just never liked the dashboard on that thing. Just It's kind of like it, it, it looks too... Somehow looks too simplistic, and it has, like, everything in the center. I mean, the body is just gorgeous. I mean, yeah. that car is just not yeah. drop-dead drop gorgeous. Um, but I just never liked the, the dashboard on that car because okay. I've seen a handful of them. But, I mean, if someone gave it to me, I'd take it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm not going to complain. So contact the Car yeah. Guys Report when you have your yeah. free Z8. <laughs> and Mark will what, be ready what's, to— <laughs> Mark, that's a good cue. What's the email for us? It's carguysreport at hotmail.com. And if you like the 
Classic Car Guys Report Informed Automotive. Be sure to check out some of the other programs on the Radio Misfits podcast network. Like the show, back to you. It's an Opie show. Legendary Chicago TV personalities Howard Sudbury and Steve Baskerville talk about life, travel, food, and long list of things that get under their skin. Plus, you never know when one of their many famous pals might stop by. You can go to opishows.com or wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Radio Misfits and you'll find shows like Back to You and you'll also find our show, The Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. I'm Mark Vernon along with uh, Lou Costable. A couple of shows ago, Lou, we started our uh, our uh, feature uh, courtesy of Road & Track, uh, Frivolous uh, car features and they're only titled frivolous just because some people can't live without some of these things because they're modern some people think that why do i want that in my car that is kind of just a frivolous thing so we divided this list up into three parts and uh, we're going to tackle uh part three right now and some of this stuff i don't know if it's some of it's been around for a long time like on on part three here one of them is lumbar support now if you have any kind of back issues or if you're driving for a long um uh, time in your car you want some kind of lower back support and 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 they've had it in a lot of cars um but it i think it makes a big difference when you got that that lumbar support in your in your uh driving uh position in your driver's seat so i think that's a good thing uh we talked about <laughs> this is i already knocked it off but i'll say a heated steering wheel we had talked about that last time i think that's a good thing um how about remote start have you ever had that on your on any of your vehicles I've not had it. I actually had to get rid of it when it was added to one of the cars because it was draining the battery for some reason. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Because I think it's popular in a colder climate like here in the Midwest because yep. a lot of people, uh, 10 minutes before they uh, head off for work, they'll hit remote start and let their car warm up and start defrosting. So when they get in, it's it's nice and toasty and warm and, and you can go. So I've never had a car with remote start. I've had friends that have cars with remote start. They they swear by it. Yeah. Um, I, I, you I were swearing at it. So yeah. that's <laughs> that's the way that goes. Uh, navigation, I think, is one thing that is kind of a love-hate relationship. And I think with the uh, proliferation of smartphones, I think they're yeah. kind of going by the wayside, a factory nav system, yeah. because you got to keep it updated. It can be you know, $500 or $1,000 to get the, the system updated at the dealer. And uh, most people just, I think, use their smartphones these days. So Yeah, I, I agree with you. The uh, As long as people have their smartphone... Um, yeah, that's gone away. I know that uh, the rental car places for a little while were really trying to push di- that dial me in yeah. when I was, you know, lost and trying to find somebody's place to video a car or yeah. something. But uh, yeah, that that's something that you know. because honestly, I I never use navigation. I have it in a couple of my cars, and I, I I never use it for directions. I'm the type of guy that I either go to MapQuest or look at an atlas and just figure out my own route. I don't want you know some computer telling me turn left, turn right. But if I'm traveling outside the area, um, like when we went to Indianapolis uh, a couple months ago, my girlfriend and I, I had the I had the nav on just so I can have a map in front of me. Just because I kind of, because I know where I'm going, but I, I want to know when, how far we are from a given exit yeah. or something like that. But, just just to keep you in focus of as far as where you are. But that's the only way I, I ever really use nav. You know, you just dialed into a wonderful memory that I have of navigation. So like you, I was coming back from Indianapolis 500. We weren't going to that trip together. I was by myself and I can remember very clearly there was uh i was driving home and probably in the gary indiana area and all of a sudden my navigation said save 15 minutes <laughs> and i thought this is brilliant yeah. so i uh followed the exact directions uh, i realized very quickly that boarded windows were uh, left and right of me and um Back to Lou the Pusher Man yeah, on yeah. the YouTube channel. I was there with the Pusher Man, not selling cars, yeah. but selling <laughs> drugs. Yeah. And uh, I drove like a bat out of hell. I think I That's made why it you save 15 minutes. Yeah, yeah. I, I must have <laughs> saved tw- you know, tons of time because, uh, boy, I'll tell you, I was pacing the, uh, the green lights waiting for him to turn. I was like, oh, my gosh, I may never get out of here again. So uh, be a little bit cautious is my tip for you today on your navigation when it says save 15 minutes 
there may be a reason why no one else was on that road other than me. Exactly. There you go. Uh, speaking of uh, cold weather and remote starting, uh, heated seats. That's something that uh, basically the Swedish car companies, especially Saab, pioneered. We had a 1976 Saab 99 that had heated seats. So that's 40 years that's ago. 76? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And even my one of my early 96s, a 72, I believe, had heated seats in it as well. And they, they were the automatic type. So what it was is had a thermostat. And when it would just hit a preset level, it would turn on and then it would turn off once it once it heats up. Um, I don't know if there's any cars that have the automatic ones now. They're pretty much either a, a push button where you just have to turn it on and they'll either start at a high level and they'll they'll pace itself down or you just set it at a, like a six or a five and manually adjust it. Cause I have both those types. I have the, when you start it in my Mercedes, it, all three bars are lit. And if you just keep it on, it'll go from three to two to one. It takes about maybe a half hour to go through that. But like on the Porsche, I just have the, uh, rotary switch that goes all the way up to six so you either set it at five or six and just then you have to remember to turn it off yourself but i think heated seats are awesome well obviously we're talking in the winter and uh the heated seats that i um i do not have in my explorer but i do have in the lincoln and uh, i know my wife likes that i call it it's the regular or the extra crispy mm-hmm. setting so kind of like uh going to order chicken but uh yeah so the, so you get that extra crispy i'll tell you you're you're warmed up and the other the opposite of the uh, bun warmers as we call them fondly is a cooled seat now i have that in in the in my mercedes and i gotta tell you i think it's basically worthless uh, i've never been able to <laughs> okay. detect any kind of uh, you can hear the fan going well, and i've never been able to like if it's a, a humid day i've already got the air conditioning on in the car anyway I don't see the point. I have never... I will give you the point. So the point is, when you're in Arizona, and I'm taking out the Jaguar convertible, and you drop the top, and it's leather, so you don't want sun on leather on skin. So you put on that little cooler, that little... And and, and all the cooler is is literally a little fan that blows through the holes. But I'll tell you, it's (laughs) the difference between, you know, having your body connected to that seat when you okay. get off it versus are you wearing long pants or shorts no or? no no it's it's arizona so you're in a pair of shorts okay. you know you're probably just you know chilling with a pair of yeah. you know somewhat sandal like shoes yeah. so your legs are connected to that seat and if you don't have you know when and again when it's leather you know you're either going to literally you know pull your legs yeah. right off the the, the the first layer of skin will come right off yeah. your legs versus you get out and you come out comfortably okay see i don't have a convertible so i'll have to to take that into yeah. into yeah. put that into uh, consideration, consideration. Yeah. yeah cool well it's good to know that you you are a fan of cool i'm seats a fan as of well. a fan good, good. yeah the there seat. you go and then um one other i know two other items on here um for the frivolous car features panoramic sunroofs I'm not a big sunroof guy myself or a panoramic moonroof, although on my Mercedes it's pretty cool because the entire roof is glass, and it has, a, it has um, you know, the, the regular tilt-slide moonroof part of the glass roof that moves away, but the whole roof is glass, and I was wondering how that would work because they don't have much of a, a cover over it. There's no hard cover that you can close off the is glass it a, from it's a, a perforate it's like a, have a soft cover though it's a it's it's just kind of a mesh it's okay. like a nylon mesh that's built into yeah. the headliner and actually it's enough to keep surprisingly to keep the sun off yeah. most of your body when you're driving i just think the look is cool i don't really know that much because i'm not a big the only time i ever use a sunroof or even crack it uh as a tilt is maybe like in the evening if i find myself in the car on a summer night and i just it's, it's an evening it's not blaring sun so okay, it's, now, it's, now the here, sun is set yeah here, and i like that but here we have a friendly difference yeah sure i won't get a car unless it doesn't have a sunroof and now I'm not talking about you're on a rental car, you get what you take, you know, or what you can. But I'm talking about if I'm buying an actual car for myself. Yeah. And here's the reason why. And I you just, want or don't want? I definitely want. Want one. Okay. Yeah, because I feel that it just gives me more space. I mean, it may not, but I feel like it yeah. does. I feel like I'm I'm not claustrophobic. And 
Uh, have I had cars with hard tops? Yes. Um, does your Vi- Viper doesn't have a sunroof? Viper's not a sunroof yeah. kind of car. Yeah, I don't no. think so. It does have room for your helmet, though. <laughs> well, yeah, so, of course, the double bubble top, right? Yeah. So, so, so I want to add that to it. And Lou always wears his helmet when he goes driving in his, his Viper. <laughs> Boy racer. As soon as my son gets his license, I'll be wearing the helmet. So, um, yeah, obviously, and, and there you could say, Lou, why didn't you get a convertible? Why'd you get a coupe? Um, the coupe was chosen. Let's stay on the topic of the sunroof. So the uh, uh, the sunroof, uh, let me finish that thought for a second. So the reason why the coupe is for the structural rigidity of the car, so just a, a better go-kart feel. Um, but back to the sunroof. So, so the sunroof is, uh, for me, somewhat mandatory in a car that I'm going to own. Yeah. Do my friends have cars without sunroof so I have any problem? Absolutely not. I'm usually connecting in the conversation. But when I'm, if it's my own, and I do a lot of driving, so I like to have that feeling of, of space. Do you comfort. usually have it open or do you have it tilted? Based you know, on the time crack. of the year. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you a perfect example. My uh, 15-year-old just got done with basketball practice, steamed every window in the car, so I cracked it open just so I could, you know, the ventilation would yeah. would go through a lot smoother. Um, uh, but if I'm driving in the summer, uh, especially if it's a nice night out, I, I enjoy that kind of star-gazing sky. Yeah. Or, or let me ch- turn it around. When I'm in the city... And you're driving past some skyscrapers. You have that sunroof open. Oh yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that's you know that's that's a, that's a view you don't usually. Because I'm I'm at the extreme opposite end of things. Like I said, I don't I, I I rarely use it in the Mercedes. I've had the Cayenne now for almost six years, and believe it or not, I think I've had that sunroof operating once in okay. six years. Okay. And I drive that car year round. Yeah. Uh, my 911 I've had for about uh, coming up to two years, and I don't think I've ever cracked the sunroof on that Is it that a hard, hard sunroof or is it a... It's the it, glass. It's oh, the moonroof. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's a tilt side, which which is nice, though, because both those cars are black and you have the, the moonroof, which is um, the glass, and it's tinted. So it just blends in. It just disappears in the roof. So you don't see it even if you don't use okay. it. Now but, let's talk about the sunroof I don't like. The sunroof that I don't like is the whole panel that shifts onto the back half of the roof. Okay, I know what you're saying. So, yeah, so that just doesn't look good. Well, it not only doesn't look good, but I just feel like if you hit anything, you're going to have that yeah. piece just sh- somehow. I'm, I'm sure it won't, <laughs> but my perception is yeah. that it's going to come flying off yeah. like you know, like a like a. I don't know, like a shield yeah. from Captain America coming flying yeah. at you and you're the bad guy, you know? So I, I, I don't, uh, if a car had that sunroof, I'm not really a fan of that. Yeah. I, I, just from the looks of those types of, of mechanisms. Yeah. I don't like the way they look and I, I'm not I, sure why they do that. I think it's packaging yeah. inside the car, something well, I, like that. And I guess the technical term for everybody who's listening, who's going to send us an email, what's that email again, Mark? Car guys report at hotmail.com. They're going to say, it's not a sunroof, Lou. <laughs> if it goes into the car, it's a moon. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. (laughs) And one final frivolous feature that is not frivolous because it's now federally mandated are backup cameras. And I've had them in a couple of my cars. Um, The current cars that I have them in now, I don't have the, the guidelines so to speak, I had those in my Infinity when you put it in reverse and you actually get the lines that tell you kind of like the track of your car, which I thought was actually pretty cool. Yeah, I like that And too. I think my Infinity also had cross-traffic detection on it because I swear there were a couple of times when I was starting to back out of the um, a, a parking spot and, you know, the, the alarm went off indicating there was cross-traffic even though they didn't specifically say that as a feature because now they're they're pumping that as a feature built into the backup uh, systems on the cars of cross-traffic direction. But yeah, I assume you have a backup cam on your Lincoln, right? Yeah, the Lincoln, the Explorer, those have... Do those have the guidelines too? Or Yeah, yeah, those are... Those are uh, well, the... Uh, I, you know, I don't think I have guidelines in either one of those. I, I have seen guidelines on them in some of the rental cars yeah. I've had, but... Uh, it's not recalling to me that I have those guidelines. However, I will. I've had them in a, on a Toyota, I believe the guidelines. But uh, uh, I like them because I can see the lines. Oh yeah, you know, in the in the parking spot, and it usually uh, helps quite a bit. Yeah, and I think too that some of the um, things that some of the manufacturers are doing in conjunction with backup cams. Uh, I believe it was Cadillac that was actually putting their uh, backup camera. Uh, 
that would uh, take the place of your rearview mirror. So it'd be an actual rearview mirror, but then when you shifted in reverse, the camera, I believe, the display would be inside the, the rearview mirror instead of, you know, like in the navigation display, which I think and, is pretty and cool. That's, that's in what now? I believe it was Cadillac was yeah, doing I, that. Yeah, I've seen that yeah. Cadillac, yeah. Yeah, and that's yeah. pretty cool. And then we're also getting up to the point, too, um, probably in the next few years, maybe here in the States, I think they're, they've been... Um, uh, legalized, I think, or legalized soon in Europe is actually instead of side view mirrors, actually having cameras there with a display that are showing what's behind your car via a, a camera and back and then displaying it on your side view mirror, which is pretty cool. So I think some of that is pretty neat. So I would definitely say a backup camera is really not a, a frivolous thing. Although my girlfriend, again, well, I was talking about her Prius, she's got a backup camera in that car and she never uses it. I mean, she looks, you know, manually around, but she hardly ever pays attention to the backup camera. So I don't know why, but um, I think it's just something that people are used to at one point, and that's just the way it is. So that uh, completes our uh, three-part look at uh, frivolous or non-frivolous car features in current cars, courtesy of Road & Track, right here on the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back after this. I'm Howard Sudbury. I'm Steve Baskerville. On the next Back to You, Steve, you're making a big change for 2020. Yes, I am. I'm going to change the way that I approach people in life. I can't wait to hear about that. And we're also going to talk about what it's like when you have an uncomfortable interview. And we'll have many of those in 2020. Back to You with Howard Sudbury and Steve Baskerville. Back to You, an OPI show. Only on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Great talk radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com. And friends starring me, Tommy. And me, Kimmy. And me, Sam. Come meet your new best friends. <laughs> hey, if you want to listen to our show, this is what it sounds like exactly. It's all about those conversations you can only have with your true friends. So come meet your new friends, Tommy. Kimmy. Sam. Right here with Ann Friends. Me want you as friends. Radiomisfits.com. And we're back here on the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. Mark Vernon along with uh, Lou Costable. Are you a big American Motors uh, fan or uh, devotee? Uh, Lou, do you? Um... I I appreciate the MCs. I uh, uh, I know where we're going with this next one. I'm actually excited to hear what your thoughts are on what we're going to talk about. One of the AMCs I just videoed was a factory produced um, Rebel Machine stock car. Um, I'm, I'm, let me rephrase that: drag car. So that was that was pretty cool. Um, I really like the javelins. I've always liked the remember AMXs. the Rambler Scrambler. The, Ram, the, the SC Scrambler, yeah. right. The, uh, the, yeah, the 390, I yeah, think it was, in, that, in the small uh, Rambler body. The red, white, With the Hurst shifter. Yeah. Yeah, that, awesome car. That, that, is, that is cool. Uh, a little bit uh, interesting looking. You have to really kind of like that time period because if my son saw it, he'd think it's a clown car. It's actually but, a very clean, good-looking car. Right. It really is. It's just a color combination. They've got the red wheels and the white and the yeah. red and the blue. Um, um, but even like the, uh, you know, the Trans Am AMXs and things like that. I mean, I, I, uh, I really, really like the the AMX. So to answer your question, I guess that would be yes. And even the machines, I I thought were were uh, cool. Maybe not as cool as some of the other cars during the, you know Charger ver- uh, uh, Charger versus like a Marlin or something like that. You know, I'd probably go with the Charger, but. Uh, they were still very cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, AMC is a company that obviously is no longer with us, but they did have. They were kind of late to the game with the muscle cars. And back in the, according to this program or this uh, article, again, it came from. It was online, uh, courtesy of Road and Track. Back in the late '60s, AMC thought it would be a good idea to break into the high performance sector with an exotic mid-engine supercar, which is very cool because back then, I mean, the, this car that we're talking about, it's the dubbed the AMX slash three, and it almost has kind of a a little bit of a, a Lamborghini uh, Miura look to it, which is amazing, and it makes sense because it's in the late 60s, mid-engine. That's when the Lamborghini came out as well. Uh, it would have a massive uh, American V8 in it, stunning looks, and of course, in... Um, typical american car manufacturers uh wisdom they 
canceled the project before production ever started. <laughs> so they only made three of these things, uh, AMX3 uh, prototypes. And recently, the very first one that was uh, made has resurfaced, uh, having been in storage for many years, and it's actually going to get restored That's cool. um, by the people that bought it. Um, Basically, this particular AMX3, the one that we're talking about, because they were all a little different because they were still kind of like wanting to decide on the style. It was a a collaboration between uh, Giotto Bizzarini, who uh, was a guy that was putting in, um, I believe, American V8s in in exotic uh, Italian cars for a while. And then uh, Giorgetto, you're Italian, Lou, so Giargo or Giorgetto. Gior, Jimmy, <laughs> yeah, Jimmy, whatever, yeah. You're, you're, the, you know, I, I can't. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not good at this. Jimmy yeah. <laughs> at uh, Ital Design and AMC uh, was uh, working with these guys to develop the uh, look of the car. And then at one point, BMW was in collaboration with Talks uh, to actually um, maybe help manufacture or produce this car for AMC. So a lot of interesting things. But where, where is that one located? This one now is. I was just going to say. Uh, I believe it came out of Michigan right now. Um, They said that after testing was completed on this uh, first prototype, the car was reportedly stripped of its drivetrain and spent the next few years in Europe inside Bizzarini's shop before being shipped to Richard Teague, who was AMC's head of design at the time in 1973. From there, it was sold to collector Scotty Dawkins, who sourced a 390 cubic inch V8 for the car and repainted it in yellow. And at some point in his ownership, uh, he was also given a bell housing and transaxle Assembly made especially for the car by Richard T, uh, Richard or Dick Teague, and it says Dawkins kept the car up until his death in 2016, and his family has since sold the car and all of its accompanying powertrain parts to two guys, Michael uh, Chikuti and Kyle Evans of Northport, Michigan, who plan on restoring it to full running driving condition. And they said that I don't have an address for the website yet, but they said the duo has created a website for anyone that wants to follow along on the um, restoration. And I don't know if you saw this or not, Lou, because you were at the Muscle Car Nationals. It said this one was going to actually be at the show that you were at. Did you see it? I I did not see that one. I do know what they look like. They look, in my opinion, a little bit like the uh, 60s Ford GTs. Okay. You see, I see a lot. I see a lot of the, I see the Italian influence in it. To me, it looks a lot like uh, the Mura. The the Mura or, or maybe, uh, you know, like a Pantera. Yeah. Pantera. Exactly. A lot of Pantera cues in there. Yeah. Yeah. So, so um, I'm, that you're hitting a little bit of a soft spot with me right now, a sore spot. Uh, um, I I saw an AMS, AMX3 in Mundelein, Illinois. I had talked to the woman who owned it, and uh, apparently the son-in-law came up and killed that video for me, saying, uh, oh, who are you? What are yeah. you doing? Why are you talking to my mother-in-law? And I was like, uh, so, so never saw the light of day. So I, I I actually had pictures of the car. I was getting ready to video it, and uh, that got squashed. But uh, I'm hopeful that, uh, like all good things that come around, that uh, an AMX will AMX three will hit the channel at some point. Yeah, one of the uh, foremost uh, AMC experts out there is a gentleman named Patrick Foster. He's written a number of books on AMC history, and he's one of the contributing uh, editors to the uh, Hemmings Classic Car Magazine, which is um, a great uh, a great publication. And he hasn't mentioned anything about this yet, but I'm hoping that maybe in an editorial, or, or they might even do a story on it eventually, that they will feature this car once it's restored because it'd be right up his alley and it is definitely a piece of uh, AMC history because like we were talking about earlier they made some cool cars they really did yeah. I always thought I've always had a I've always liked Javelins and AMXs I think are just totally cool yeah and they're pretty fast oh yeah yeah, yeah so, for sure so that was fun yeah let's, let's not forget the uh, uh, the SC360 Hornet mm-hmm. and then uh, one car that's actually speaking of AMC that we haven't talked about of course there's the Pacer and then the Gremlin and the one car on the channel that you want to see is go to my car story with Lou Randall Gremlin, and uh, that's for the AMC people. That's probably as cool as the AMX three. It's like the Loch Ness monster uh, finding it. Was so, it a factory thing or Randall? The short story is used to be out of Arizona, almost like uh, uh, Don Yanko. Okay, so a custom. So, so yeah. it was a custom four hundred one build. Cool. And because it was a Gremlin, they pretty much all rotted out almost you know by three years yeah. from the day they were built. 
um, being in Arizona. So there was um, one that's you know documented that's still surviving. I think there's like two surviving or something. So to have this car, and by the way, it was at the Muscle Car and Corvette National, not this year, but it was there last year, and we were able to video that one and put that on there, and that did really well on the channel. Cool. That's great. And we'll have to uh, revisit the AMX3 prototype number one in a few years because it'll definitely be a long-term restoration, and we'll see what happens. But good luck to those guys, and I'm glad they rescued it. That's always the important thing, to, to, to rescue it, realize what, what the uh, value is of something like that, not just a monetary value, but the historic value, and undertake the project like that. So hats off to those guys. If you like what uh, we're doing here on the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive, uh, make sure that uh, you uh, can subscribe to us on any of the uh, popular uh, platforms where podcasts are available, like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. So uh, not only will you be listening to us, but once you subscribe, you get an automatic notification when there's a new um, content on the uh, on the car guys report and also too if you could take a few minutes to rate our program too we've got a a number of five-star reviews on apple podcasts and certainly appreciate uh, everyone that's taken the time to uh, tell us uh, what you think of the show and if you uh, would haven't uh, rated us yet and you'd like to please do because uh, we certainly appreciate that And the best thing too about uh, podcasting that uh, you can remember is on the uh, radio misfits podcast network you can search for that on google you can also just search for the car guys report it'll take you right to the radio misfits uh website and the podcast network and uh the beauty of podcasting is you can listen at your convenience on whatever device you have whether it's your phone your tablet your desktop uh you can uh, stream live you can uh, stream uh in your car you can uh, rewind replay skip go back and listen to programs again it's just listening on your terms and of course it's all totally free too it's all about uh convenience with podcasting and that's what part of it what uh, makes it so much fun just search for radio misfits yeah lou what were you going to say i was going to say what's what's the website uh, or what's the email it is carguysreport at hotmail.com carguysreport at hotmail.com uh, mark reads every one of those so what you can also do as you're listening is share with him what you like on the car guys report so we can do more of what you like if you like the frivolous lists or <laughs> if you like us talking about I know our lists are popular I've gotten that feedback yeah. for sure people okay. like those so. or if you like you know l- you know talk more about uh, you know shocking cars the electric cars <laughs> or if you you know well, tell us what you like, and we'll give you more of what you like. We'll try. As- assuming, we'll assuming try. that it makes perfect sense. <laughs> we'll try. Yeah. We're at the point in the program where we want to talk a little bit about my car story with Lou. That's his popular loot, uh, Lutube channel. That's what it should be called instead of YouTube. Lutube. There you go. Um, and we play the guessing game where Lou will give me uh, three of the uh, cars that he has featured on his uh, channel. And I have no idea uh, what he's going to be giving me, and I have to try to guess which one had the uh, highest um, number of views in order of highest to lowest. So if you want to uh, give me uh, three choices there, Lou, I'll do my best to uh, fail miserably or uh, figure it out and be correct. So so here's here, here's just a little more to add. Now, remember, this is my car channel. So, you know, you could go to somebody else's car channel and the numbers are way higher. You know, if you go to Jay Leno's garage, they might be completely different than my numbers. But Let's let's take a look at the game we're ready to play. So we're going to start off with a 59 Dodge Custom Royal Lancer convertible in quartz. Then next, by year, a 73 Grand Am four-speed in cameo white. And the last one's a Dodge Viper, a SRT final edition. I thought you were going to say you, you finally reached the end of the line. You had no more cars to video, so you did your own Viper. <laughs> Hi, I'm Lou with my car story, and here's my car. (laughs) I've I've actually done that because people have asked me, they said, what do you drive? So I've had to, well, I didn't have to, but I I video that, and then I sent them the What was the first one? First one in, in, in numeric order, a 59 Dodge Custom Royale Lancer D500 convertible in rose quartz. Okay. And then the next one is a 73 Pontiac Grand Am four-speed in cameo white. And the last one's a 2010 Dodge Viper SRT 10 final I'm going to go in the order that you gave them to me, number one being the Dodge 59 uh, letter car, wasn't it? Uh, it is a D500. Yeah. So it's And then uh, second would convertible. be... Yeah, second would be the... Um, so you're going by year. Well, just it, I just 
Yeah, 59, that 73, yeah. 2010. Yeah, the Can the Can Am and then the uh, Dodge Viper. I don't know what it was about that 73 Pontiac Grand Am four speed and Cameo White. It was a survivor, but that was the winner with 14,739 wow. okay. views. Uh no slouch, the 59 Dodge Custom Royal Lancer with massive fins on yeah. it. Uh, the Super D five hundred was the high performance model. And the fact that it's a convertible, the rose quartz is a little bit like flesh tone, so maybe that was... <laughs> Did that have the outline of the spare wheel on the on the trunk lid, too, or not? Um, the toilet seat sometimes yeah. is known. I, you know, I'm not remembering right off the bat. Okay. It may not up. have, but I know that, yes. that Chrysler products had that, and I never heard the term <laughs> toilet seat. That's pretty good. Thanks. So um, 14,522. So I gave you some ones that wow. were really close. Yeah. I mean, these are technically tied, yeah. okay? Yeah. And then the Viper just choked at yeah. uh, 897 wow. views. So I was right. In the same time frame. Yeah, I was right. So, yeah, so, so, yeah, so, so you gave me one, two, three, and it was actually uh, two, three, two, two, one, three. But, but we're splitting hairs with the first two, right? Yeah, th- those two were so close that we can say they were close enough to be winners. Cool. That's great. So I'm, I'm back on my, uh, back my on streak. I'm back on track. Of course, we always talk about uh, Lou's YouTube channel. If you haven't visited yet, it's uh, called My Car Story with Lou on YouTube. He's got over 65,000, I believe, uh, followers at this point yeah, well, and yeah, 1,500 uh By the time they're videos. listening, it's probably be 70. And, uh, cool. I like that. We'll call it LouTube. Yeah, LouTube. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know when I pick up my son from basketball practice, he says, Dad, can you bring like my 15 friends home too? And I call that Luber. So. There you go. Yeah. Coming up on the next episode of the Car Guys Report, we'll talk about a Maserati reaching the end of the line and more late season gems spotted on the road. That and so much more on the Car Guys Report Informed Automotive. I'm Mark Vernon along with the Luke Hostable. Thanks so much for tuning in. Special thanks to executive producer, Tony Lasana with opishows.com. Opi is hippo, spelled backwards, O-P-P-I-H, shows.com. It's distributed by Ed Silha with Radio Misfits. Great Talk Radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place, and that would be radiomisfits.com. The proceeding was a presentation of Opi Productions. Find our other great shows wherever you find podcasts, including opishows.com. Thank you. This has been a presentation of Old Pie Productions. Tony, can you shut up? Coming up on the next episode of the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive, we have 10 cool cars that are eligible for import into the States in 2020. Plus, the Maserati Gran Turismo is nearing the end of the line. I'm Mark Vernon. Join me and Luke Costable for these stories and more on the Car Guys Report, a Tony Lasano podcast, and Old Pie Production on the Radio Misfits podcast network direct from the rock and roll hall of fame stay tuned rock on tv now at the museum of broadcast communications from bandstand to gaga let's rock on tv for info and tickets visit museum.tv espresso french press mocha frappuccinos none of these will be discussed but all will be used on caffeinated comics it's a weekly podcast about comics movies tv and collectibles hosted by a former comic book store owner and an ex-comedian what a resume sometimes there's special guests sometimes it's just us reporting the latest geek news and arguing like why i love cable and why you're wrong about that so join us each week on the radio misfits podcast network for superpowers and caffeine remember when you made those cappuccinos yeah that whole day's a whole blur great talk radio isn't dead It just moved to a better place. RadioMisfits.com